sharing ideas about money. This is Share Radio. Now it's time for the financial outlook for personal investors. I'd like to say Russ Mould, Investment Director of AJBL, joins me. We're going to look at the world of investment from a UK perspective, but I think, Russ, we're going to be looking across the Atlantic. I mean, such an important driver of markets generally. Yeah, but you want to talk it. about NASDAQ to begin with? Don't you? Well, just specifically, because it, it, I mean, the UK actually hasn't entered a bear market for all. Uh, I think the FTSE 250 might have done. The FTSE 100 hasn't for all of the you know, upset that we've seen in financial markets, not that that compares mm. that much to the upset that we're seeing on the ground in Ukraine, but um, the, the 100 has been relatively resilient. And that's, I think, because of its commodity exposure, which has actually held it back so badly mm. over the past few years. Um, but the Nasdaq just at the start of the week touched a bear market down 20%. That officially ended, wait for it, a 3,999 day bull market, which began on the 9th of March, 2009. So people may be arguing, ah, well, here we go. Uh, maybe the 9th of March, 2022 will signify the start of the next bull market because there was a big 3.6% rally, various reasons, uh, hopes that maybe there'd be a, a diplomatic solution found as, as President Zelensky began to talk about Ukraine not joining NATO, talk, talks about talks with Russia, uh, and also the oil price coming down quite sharply as the, the, the UAE began to talk about pumping out more of the stuff. Yeah. So I, I guess the point that I would, I would be making is that yeah, it, it, it's great to see a 3.6% gain. And in fact, in 2003, the day that the Nasdaq bottomed, it actually went up 7% in one session. Um, but just to point out that during the big bear markets of 2000 to 2002 and 2007 to 2009, you actually got 52 rallies of more than three points of 3.6% or more in the first bear market and 29 of those in the second bear market. And that didn't stop the NASDAQ going down by 78% or 56%. So bear markets are wicked, cruel things. They will lay traps for bulls uh, and they will snap shut. So although it, you can argue it's an encouraging start, and as you say, where the US goes, the UK tends to follow, I wouldn't necessarily be doing too many victory laps just mm. yet because the things that have worked against the NASDAQ are still to a largely degree in evidence. Don't forget oil's only gone back to where it was a week ago. It's still up 60% on where it was a <laughs> yes. year ago. So let's keep a sense of perspective here. Also, you are seeing monetary and fiscal stimulus unwinding. You are seeing inflation going up. And if inflation goes up, the nominal growth is easy to find and you don't need to pay a premium for secular growth. And if interest rates go up, that affects the discounted cash flow models that you use to value long-term growth when you discount that growth back to get the theoretical equity value. So all of the things that have been working against growth stocks for the last six or nine months or even longer, mm. they actually stopped outperforming in July 2020. They're all still in place. So again, I, I wouldn't be doing a victory lap on the NASDAQ and the tech and the biotech stocks just yet. I'm sure even that if that 3.6% rally, you know, brought some sucker to, to some pretty hard pressed investors, potentially, yes, particularly if they're heavily involved in that more, you know, growthy, racy area of, of, of the market. Yeah, you, you talk about the FTSE not having entered a bear market, but it's not exactly been the most stellar performer. Late, uh, it? uh, it's, well, going back there one say to brexit and beyond it's been a it's been a proper old long and a, a yeah. longer much longer i wouldn't make the brexit point but I don't, i'm not sure that helped but it's that was on top of the existing issues which are the makeup of the index 
it's, it's yeah, largely it, the you know the unforecastable, the indigestible, and the and the, and the tardy in terms of banks the odd, the odd thing is, yeah. and, uh, and but I, I'm old enough that I can remember when that was the criticism. They were at the FT30. The whole idea about the 100 share index was that that was the whizzy version of the index that people had used up to then, but it hasn't quite certainly many years on hasn't exactly well, I, mean, I mean you look at the 1400 when it on certainly when it the other i mean it peaked at 6930 in 1999 and i don't think it was any higher than that the other day was it i mean but even now it, yeah. it's barely clinging on to 7000 yeah. and a lot of that is is partly in 1999 it did get to that level because of all the fizzy wizzy stuff that sloshed in mm. you know all the tech stocks that sluiced in and, and and then sluiced out again very quickly over the next 12 to 18 months whether it was yeah, like, gosh, some of the names, Semmer and 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 and, and all of these things that mm. Logica and all of these things, all of the blasts from the past, all of our dear departed friends in many mm. cases. Um, but but since since then, yeah, the, the FTSE 100 has been heavily exposed to commodities, heavily exposed to banks, and banks have just been a dreadful place to be post great financial crisis. Commodities haven't been a great place to be post financial crisis, um, and and so insurers again low interest rates margin pressure regulatory pressure not good uh, and the uk hasn't had what the markets wanted which has been secular growth tech and biotech and those stocks those companies that it's had and it had arm that got acquired by softbank it had economy autonomy it got acquired by hp to their eternal regret it seems so that, that there haven't been you know those stocks that have had flyer potential potential have, have generally sold themselves or been acquired um, before necessarily they got a chance to absolutely flourish and, and, and meet their potential, which I think was what Herman Hauser, the, the co-founder of ARM with Sir Robin Saxby, called something like yellow Porsche or purple Porsche syndrome. He said that all British entrepreneurs, he said, as soon as they think they make a quick book and buy a Porsche, they're happy. He said in America, that's just the beginning. You know, that's just the beginning. They want to. They don't want to make a, a million. They want to make 10 million. They want to make 100 million. They want to make a billion. He said the attitude is just different. And so, and, 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 you know, changing that I, I, is, is going to be a, I think the UK is better served than ever now by uh, angel capital and venture capital mm. and, and seeding young firms. But again, there still seems to be that slightly temptation to first good offer comes on, oh, we'll have it. Whereas in America, I think there's a, there seems to be that willingness yes. and perhaps deeper pools to, to take it longer for further. Uh, okay, Russ, let's uh, switch topics. Sharing ideas about money. This is Share Radio. This is Simon Rose. You're listening to the Financial Outlook for Personal Investors. I'm talking to Russ Mullen, Investment Director of AJ Bell. Um, we are going to stay in the States, um, at least to begin with, aren't we? Because we're going to look at uh, Amazon and their share well, buyback. And share buybacks, yeah. I was quite amazed to see this is, the, this is the first time since 1997 that Amazon actually given anything to investors. Nope. No, not giving them a dividend, not giving them a buyback, not giving them a B. And it, it's generally reinvested everything. And and frankly, who are we to argue, you know, mm. given the capital return that it's generated for investors um, uh, and, and for its major shareholder, Mr. Bezos, you, you, you can thoroughly see why. So I think it's interesting that they've now do it, they're doing it now with a 20 for one stock split. It slightly smacks to me of financial engineering. Um, you know, we've got to do something to support the share price. It's just gone down by a quarter. What do we do? And so I think whether you're looking at this stock split or whether you're or this buyback or whether you're looking at any buyback here in the United Kingdom, because we've actually had a phenomenal number of share buybacks announced here in the UK. I think it's something like £26 billion worth of buybacks announced by 1,400 firms in the first three months of this year alone. That's more than all of last year. 
uh, and, and I, I'm actually building a very tortuously and painfully uh, a spreadsheet that's looking at this back to 2000 to see whether it's going to be a record yeah. high year or not. Uh, so bet, watch this space. I will get there eventually. Though. It feels like a bit of a Sisyphean project at the, <laughs> right. pro- yes. project, project at the moment. Um, I was expecting a quiet couple of weeks and then, you know, things obviously as, as always the way other events, dear boy, events have, 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 have got in the way. But I think when you're looking at buybacks, you know, People, oh, what a great thing. Well, maybe, but it's easier to stop a buyback than it is to stop a dividend. And so I think it's in that respect, it's a bit of an easier way for an executive to distribute cash. Retail shareholders don't benefit to anything like the degree that institutions do because they don't tend to get involved in the in the buyback loving. So that's another issue. But I think, yes, by all means, if if, if management is trying to show confidence in the, the company and, the, and say, well, we think our shares are cheap, a buyback's fine. But a buyback coupled with management putting their own money in, I would suggest would be a lot more powerful than management using the company's money, wouldn't you? So I think any company that announces a buyback, by all means, have a look at whether management are, I mean, clearly management cannot buy ahead of the announcement of the buyback yes. and the results because that's inside. So they don't work for the Federal Reserve, for goodness sake. Mm. So, you know, they're not allowed to inside a trade like Fed officials have been apparently over the past couple of years. Um so what you will then want to see is once the buyback's announced, do they then put their own hand in their pocket? Because that would be a much more powerful powerful signal than using somebody else's money to persuade us that the shares are cheap. And in fact, in the US, you've seen the opposite. You've seen executives bailing out in, in, in phenomenal yes. numbers. Um, so you want to have a look at that. You want to have a look at the, how the buyback's carried out. Is it carried out in a price-sensitive manner? No investor would just buy any old price, whether it was six quid or 10 quid a share. Yeah. So again, is the, is the buyback done in a disciplined price-creative way? i.e. creating the share value by value by bank when they they are cheap you know trading below yeah. what buffett would call intrinsic value and also you know have they borrowed the money to do it not normally a brilliant idea even if debt's cheap right now or have they used it from cash that they've generated after they've then paid off their tax their interest their capital investment their r d and everything else and if the answer is yes they're doing it in a disciplined way yes they're paying a low valuation yes they're doing it after they've they've used a they've invested everything that they need to invest then maybe fine. But other than that, I, I wouldn't view buybacks as a sort of um, cure-all for a share mm. price's ills by any stretch of the imagination. It's an interesting signal, but it's not, I would view, a necessarily a, a, an overwhelmingly positive one. And I, I'm pretty sure that if you look at the US numbers that S&P Global publish, they're very pro-cyclical. You know, managers like you know, tend to feel that they're most bullish when their share price is highest and that's when they're buying back stock. And how much stock was being bought back in March 2020? None. Yes. When share prices were on their bottom. So again, I, I, I buyback's fine, but I wouldn't get particularly carried away and Amazon trying to say, oh, look, our shares are cheap because it's just a big yawn as far as I'm You, you were talking about directors dealing and watching how, how, how they um, behave. Of course, uh, many people actually do follow directors dealings do you think it's yeah, a useful indicator showing I, confidence I, I, they generally, have in their own business i mean they're obviously people have their own financial circumstances you know quite often you see a chief executive sold and you think oh my goodness what's going on and then you find out the, the lady or gentleman's got divorced mm. so you need to, you know it, again without you know being too prurient or too nosy you probably need to find out a little bit more about what's going on in the background but i, I personally think the strongest signal is ex- is executives moving in packs not just one individual you want to see a few of them. I mean, again, they're not all going to be creases. I mean, they've all, you know, they all have outgoings like the rest of us. They're not just sat on a big sack of cash. But, you know, you really would like to see 
a group of individuals moving, not just a specific one, because I think then it is a much more compelling signal either as a buy or as a sell. Russ, thank you. Fascinating as ever. I've been in conversation with Russ Mould, Investment Director of AJ Bell. Um, he'll be back with me again in the Financial Outlook of Personal Investors at the same time next week. Sharing ideas about money. This is Share Radio.